first time lord i'm daniel levain and like the title implies i'm a first timer as it pertains to doctor who and i'm watching it all for the first time ever and i'm taking it in and i am loving it i am here for it i can't wait for more doctor who and we are getting into uh, the beginnings of the new era, the post, sadly, the post-Rose era, but the new era of Doctor Who, and I need somebody to walk me through what I just saw, and that person is the most prepared guest, and that will be John Sobel. Thank you for the invite, and thank you for having me again. Uh, this is going to be fun. I like doing the Christmas episodes. Uh, we, I think uh, if we have not made it clear on the podcast, we have definitely made it clear amongst ourselves that the Christmas episodes will definitely feature John because it seems fitting that John be here for the Christmas show since he was here for the first Christmas show, the first Christmas right. special I got to watch. So you will be my crutch, let's say that. Right, uh, and also because through. I think I'm your only Jewish uh, co-host. The, that I, I, I think that's also <laughs> fitting. And, right, uh, so it makes, it's a perfect fit for me then to be, the, you know, to be on the Christmas episodes. Right, because you don't have to have the affinity for Christmas to appreciate exactly. the destruction of Christmas <laughs> every year, which seems to happen. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so in case you haven't picked up on this, dear listener, we are talking about The Runaway Bride, which if you watch it on like HBO Max, it's technically considered part of series two, episode 13, but it's sort of not supposed to be episode 13. It's kind of like the beginnings of series three. So, yes, there series you go, three, episode if, zero. There you go. Yeah, it's the, the preamble to series three. So, if you have not watched it in a while, here's your opportunity to go back and catch yourself up. Definitely worthwhile. But let's jump right on in. Uh, and uh, I believe I, both my wife and I talked about it uh, in last week's episode. Uh, what the heck was up with the bride? And here we go. You know, Torchwood leaving sort of its tendrils out into this universe gets this poor woman all infected with what, what were the particles called? Huon, Huon particles, and it's spelled it's spelled on here H U O N. There you go. Uh, but leave it to Torchwood to open, you know, or like buy up these companies, and then to test on its own employees. Uh, and in this case, you know, this poor woman getting radiated with these things that that's ultimately that's why she all of a sudden appears in the TARDIS in the middle of like this deep, like emotional state that the doctor is in. And then he looks up and there's this stranger in a wedding dress. Uh, and wow, what what a fun way to jump right into a crazy episode. I mean, are all the, uh, uh, not that I want to know, but are all the Christmas <laughs> going to be like this crazy wild episodes? Well, isn't almost every episode of Doctor Who a crazy wild episode? 
Yeah, but it seems like, uh, I mean, like the, the idea that we see the TARDIS fly again, you know, the first time we saw it fly was in the Christmas episode, the uh, the Christmas invasion. Uh, and we've seen it a little bit, you know, towing the the spaceship out of the the gravity, the the, the black hole and whatnot. But really, the the TARDIS flying inside of the Earth's atmosphere. The only time we've ever seen that is during the Christmas specials. Yes. Uh, so well, they have a little kinda, more money. You know, it's one episode. They can they can play around a little bit, a little more. Yeah, it just it seems like everything is a little bigger during the Christmas episodes. Like oh yes. The 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 things are, you know, the the stakes are a little higher, uh the action is a little bigger, like everything just seems bigger. Um but you know, once again we have the uh, the return of the evil Santas. Although this time they don't shoot uh, fire out of their tuba. They go they try to they're about to i was hoping it would be some sort of new technology and not just like a fire you know a flamethrower uh but they they don't they don't uh they get distracted by the doctor uh making it rain off of that uh that atm just you know that money flying off into the street yes the the, the fun uh you know make it make it make it chaotic and crazy and so they can't uh, control that right they they can't attack them yes um so we you know things are things are crazy in this episode uh but trying to make sense of it so she's attracted to the tardis because i guess the tardis is the only force in the universe that still has a little bit of these particles that otherwise are sort of extinct in the universe yeah the huon huon energy is impossibly uh old as it's it's told um i can mm-hmm. i keep going I, I since we did the impossible planet i keep using the the impossible stuff um yeah, yeah. right it's impossibly old it's as old as the universe itself and so the really the only people who have you know any need for it at this moment would be the time lords Mm. And using it to help so power it, the power the uh, because because you know TARDIS. we've we've talked a little bit about the TARDIS and we've certainly found out um, more about the TARDIS during this last series series two, um, but it it's alive. We've known that, uh, and it's powered through different forces because the doctor has to revive it when when they go into that new universe because it doesn't have the same type of energy so are these huon particles part of the all of the stuff like is basically does the tardis kind of contain a little bit of the entire universe is that what um, that's a pretty yeah i guess that's a pretty good way of uh, describing it the the heart of the tardis is definitely uh uh, something that is uh, was uh, looked upon during during uh, the end of series one, as well as we'll you know we'll we'll go deeper into the into the TARDIS uh, later on. Uh, There's more TARDIS stuff. So oh yes, is is the stuff. heart of the TARDIS and the time vortex two different things? Or no, they're are basically they the same. One and the same. Okay, one so the, the time same. vortex is what sort of contains like these particles that he's talking yes. about then. Right. Okay. Okay. But um, let's let's that, go back just a little bit to mm-hmm. talk about the bride. Uh, yes. 
because as you uh, mentioned at the end of both uh, the series finale and uh, the uh, wrap-up episode, who is this angry woman? So let's introduce you to this angry woman. She mm-hmm. is Catherine Tate, not to be confused of Sharon Tate. But mm-hmm. Catherine Tate is a, a, a comedian, uh, very well known in the UK. She had her own sketch comedy program called The Catherine Tate Show, which ran three seasons, which ended around the same time that she filmed this episode of Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, she was, uh, when they filmed her cameo, which then had to be refilmed when they did the actual episode because mm-hmm. they changed lighting directors and the lighting was different in the TARDIS. So they couldn't use the old footage. I noticed footage. that. They couldn't use the old footage and then, you know, and then continue it on. So they had to refilm it. But when they filmed it the mm. first time, uh, she, was, she was very popular. She had a very big star status in the UK. So they filmed it during the rap party. While the rap party was going on, they pulled a couple of mm. people in. Uh, David Tennant and you know a director, you know the director, one one cameraman, and and they brought her in so they could film it while so no one knew until they brought mm. until it was broadcast, and then it's broadcasted in late October, early November, and then you don't get the episode until you know on Christmas Day, so you gave uh, you know the UK people who were very familiar with her you know a, a nice you know right what is, what is she doing in this big show right. So yeah, and so, then, that, I so mean, the, her appearance is pretty jarring. Uh, like I said, compi- considering the doctor just had this amazingly emotional moment, and the next thing you know, he's like, "What?" Uh, and I love even the line in in the episode. He says, "I don't understand it. And I understand everything. This this can't happen." What you've done, which you is, cannot do. <laughs> right? You're like, wow, that's that's intense, you know, because we've we've seen the doctor sort of immediately be able to figure things out uh and he is definitely thrown by her appearance so from from a story perspective it's great to see that uh but yeah i I imagine you know having such a huge cameo uh would have been definitely a big uh asterisk you know for people to to want to tune in for the for the christmas show oh yes it's it's definitely you know i mean it just you know, it keeps going and going and going. It's just uh... now. Is there a reason why they um, why they choose to uh, do a Christmas special? Like, was there something with the old Doctor Who, or did this just become like a new tradition that, like, Russell Davies was like, "Yeah, let's let's always do a Christmas special." Like, wh- why? What is the significance of they- these uh, Christmas specials? The, I think the true significance was it was a chance to uh, put out something brand new uh, after it being on hiatus for six or seven weeks to keep people you know, remembering that, oh, there's Doctor Who had restarted because mm-hmm. this, is only the second, this is only the second Christmas since the show had uh, restarted from 1999's TV movie. Um, so... Mm-hmm. So, and before that, I think it was, uh, was it 86 or 87? So we're talking a good year. So I think they wanted to make sure everyone's home, everyone's watching. So on Christmas night, um, you know, and, and for, and for, uh, people of the UK, obviously boxing day is a big deal the next day. Uh, 
So people mm-hmm. are definitely going to be home on Christmas night. Uh, this it's a great way to remind people that hey, we have restarted here. We're we're doing this. You know, watch. This was uh, something we liked in the past, and you, you're definitely going to like it in the future. That's uh, that's kind of a cool little tradition. So uh, going back to uh, the bride, um, she gets plucked out of the wedding, and now. That church seemed familiar. Uh, did I mistakenly pick up on the fact that that might be the same church that uh, Rose's dad was in back um, in Father's I think, Day? I think they didn't. I In all my notes, I never saw that. I thought the same thing. I never saw that in my notes, but I'm going to guess that they just, um, you know, you you can film in a church. If you have a church that allows you to film, I'm assuming mm-hmm. they're gonna, you're going to go back to it when you need it again. But there's no there's no significance to it. It's no. just a church. Uh, it just happens to possibly be the same church for convenience purposes. Yeah, um, and maybe just dress it a little differently, and it and you uh, and then you're fine. Yeah, yeah, they, they definitely. Uh, dress yeah, it up. Uh, the church down down in Lancer getting married at St. Mary's. It's on Haven Road uh, because they talk about it, but they never really mm-hmm. talked about the church uh, from Father's Day where it was or what mm-hmm. it is. So it easily can be. The same, or that could have been just a storyline comment. Sure, sure. When she was trying, when she got into the cab and she said, you know, where she was saying where she was going. So, um, so she, she is on the TARDIS and the, her exchanges with the doctor are very interesting because, uh, she finds out that he's an alien by opening the the doors to the TARDIS and seeing that she's in outer space uh and then immediately just starts calling him a Martian she's she doesn't care you know that he's like I'm not a Martian she just keeps calling him a Martian which is uh funny because she did clearly she doesn't necessarily um is, is she she doesn't seem as phased as somebody would but at the same time she's like i just need to get back to my you know like i just get me back to church just get me back i think to church. i think the shock factor is definitely involved in that that, that she's not as phased as some people are because she's just in total shock over the whole everything that's happening right and it does feel a little bit like uh how rose kind of stumbled onto the doctor and the whole, you know, army of uh, plastic mannequins. It, it feels very much like here's a normal person that has stumbled onto this uh, other layer that has been going on that most people are kind of oblivious to. Uh, and even in the podcast, in the podcast, even in the show, they uh, allure to the fact that you know, I met them last Christmas. Why? What happened then? Great big spaceship hovering over London. You didn't notice? I had a bit of a hangover. And yes. then he mentions the whole uh, issue with the uh, Torchwood Institute. You lot, this might just be a locksmith, but H.C. Clements was brought up 23 years ago by the Torchwood Institute. Where are they? They were behind the Battle of Canary Wharf. Sideman evasion. Skies of London full of Daleks. I was in Spain. They had sidemen in Spain. Scoop driving. That big picture, Donna, you keep on missing it. She is clearly like obtuse enough or oblivious enough 
or just not phased by it enough to think that any of that was noteworthy, which I well, think yeah, kind of intrigues the doctor a little bit. And and Lance does mention it at, at some point also, uh, her fiance as they're going through it, um, that you know, she's a very uh, uh, posh spice and Brad and Angelina and very pop culture stuff and not necessarily the, as they keep calling it, the big picture. Right. Here's a woman that couldn't point to Germany in a map. Right. <laughs> Which for somebody in Europe, that's that's a big offensive thing to say because Germany is literally right there. You know, oh, it's yeah. uh, not that I condone people not knowing where Germany is in a map here in the States, but at least there's a whole ocean dividing our mass, <laughs> our land mass. So I can understand that. Um, but yeah, yeah, the, 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 the allure to that, uh, I, I didn't like how quick her, uh, how quick Lance, uh, sort of turned on her. Uh, it, it seemed pretty obvious to me that he was clearly not into her. Like from the moment they walk back into the reception and she's like, you start at the reception without me? Uh, it, it, it was, to me, it was a little too obvious, uh, or played a little too obvious that he was definitely up to no good. Oh yeah. Well, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have a, a, a villain that's close by. So. Right. And I didn't see the Torchwood thing coming right away. Um, and, but, and that was a nice little bid with the doctor sort of asking to borrow, uh, you know, a perfect stranger's cell phone and then using the sonic screwdriver to modify the uh, the phone to be all sorts of souped up and be able to get all right. this information. Now, um, I know you just watched the episode, but when you watch it again, when you see mm-hmm. it, when, he cl- when they have the close-up of the camera on the phone, you'll notice a little play button there because he actually presses, they actually have a video there that, the, that they did that what the sonic screwdriver is going to do. Oh, that's uh, and, they, and you miss that and you catch that if when you watch it in repeat vo- viewings the first time you're never going to see that because you're too busy watching the rest you know him type out never. hc clements but if you right, see it, as right. he's watching it there's a thing there that says play and he actually hit play and it runs this video of of the what the sonic screwdriver is doing to the phone it's a very that's yeah. that's funny i mean i i appreciated it because uh, you know, this would have been 2007-ish, right. 2008, uh, when this episode uh, shot and aired. And that was definitely, uh, by that point, we had uh, smartphones, certainly uh, better phones than what the gentleman had, uh, but those phones were still fairly prevalent everywhere Uh and their technology was rather limited. Yes, you could browse the web, but it was very rudimentary uh, browsers and whatnot. And the idea that the doctor is able to do something that even what the smartest phone at the time, uh, which were not very smart, could easily do was just quite funny to me, you know, being a techno geek. Uh, right. So I appreciated that, uh, that aspect of it. Um, but I just loved how it seemed like the doctor was behind the action and the plot uh, during the entire episode. Whereas normally he's like right on top of it. He knows what's happening or 
as soon as he finds out what's happening, he's immediately on top of it. This whole episode, it just felt like he's just trying to catch up because he's not quite getting what is happening. And I'm not sure, you know, there are moments in this episode where they play up the the fact that Rose is gone and that clearly for the doctor that was very recent, uh, including that scene that he has with the bride in the, in the TARDIS where she spots Rose's you know jacket. Right. And you, you see the visceral response to it. Uh, so I wonder how much of that was the doctor just mentally not being in you know on top of his game because he's still sort of dealing with uh with the loss of of rose and that's not the first time though that the doctor has said that he's making it up as he's going along that he just is you know doing doing it you know got to get as much information as possible so there's there's no real plan yet when that's such an Indiana Jones thing to say, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I'm making it up as I go along, you know, it's not, it's not the mileage sweetheart or it's not the years. It's the mileage sweetheart. Exactly. And that's been a lot of well, what Dr. Who has done for, you know, since, since the sixties, uh, actually since the seventies, I wouldn't say it's the sixties, the sixties, mm-hmm. the doctor tended to know more. Uh, but as things changed, uh, and there were things finally that he didn't understand. It became a little more uh, of of uh, off the cuff, as it were. Well, it's definitely more interesting because, of course, eventually the doctor does clue in to you know who the alien and the threat is the the spider alien lady, the Rachnos, thing, the Empress of the Rachnos. The Empress, uh, who is so over the top in like a delicious way because she is absolutely like chewing her words, part of it because she really clearly wants to show those fake fangs that she has and the way she keeps moving. She's just showing off that beautiful makeup that she's got on. I just I I loved everything about it uh, because I've... I've almost come to expect the the sort of campy nature of the show and how much the show embraces it that, you know, when you see an alien like that and she's making such a big deal, like I loved how she was just chewing on every word and just taking extra moments to hiss and make sounds. Uh, She was great. I I loved it. Uh, And I... I didn't pick up on it until sh- her ship starts entering the atmosphere that, of course, her ship is going to look like the Christmas star. And people are going to be like, oh, it's Christmas and it's the Christmas star. And right. in true, you know, and stay in true to the uh, the core of the show, lots of destruction and, you know, lightning tearing up the earth and just, you know, people's Christmases just ruined. You're like, that's, oh, that's wonderful. Yes. And uh, so the actress, by the way, Sarah Parrish, who has been in uh, a million things in, um, in Britain, including Broadchurch. Um, and what was the other, my brain was just went dead again. Uh, Blackpool, uh, Hearts and Bones. It's a lot of, shows that if you know anything about british tv there's she's been in a ton of stuff 
Oh, I'm sure my wife is going to freak out uh, because she she watches all of those shows, including Broadchurch. So I'm right. sure she'll recognize her. Well, I don't know if you're going to recognize her. There's so there's a lot of makeup there. So uh, that is true. <laughs> um, but again, you know, the idea that just when you think, OK, here's the bad guy. Lance is clearly, you know, not not uh, up to no good. And then they introduce this huge baddie uh, and the idea that the entire planet Earth was created around the spaceship of her kin. Um, the, the, they insinuate like they're her children. Uh, so is that just what she calls them or yeah. is she legitimately the, the, the mother of all these no, she's the empress. So all of her, all the other Arachnos are, are her children. Are her children? Okay. So that, but yeah, I love the idea that you know, the doctor's all excited. He's like, I'm going further back than I've ever gone before, and they're watching and they have that whole discussion about you know dust and how you know everything is created from this moment. And he's trying to share with the bride uh, and and show off a little bit. Uh, like he did when he first met Rose and he takes her to the end of the earth uh, exactly. to watch, you know, the, the, the destruction of earth. Um, so I, I was definitely picking up on how desperate the doctor is to replace uh, Rose, how uh, it's much easier. Um, and I hate to do use this analogy cause it's not the same cause you know, people are not dogs, but uh, when uh, a couple of years ago uh, my dog passed away, uh, we were we all took it pretty hard. Uh, but my son's teachers were saying, "Well, you know how uh, you can get over your doggy passing away? You just get a new doggy." And you're like, "No, like that's <laughs> that's not the answer. Don't just replace the grief and hide the grief and ignore it." Uh, and that's pretty clearly what the the doctor is. Uh, kind of trying to do as he spends more time with uh, with the runaway bride, he's clearly trying to replace Rose, and he's showing off by you know taking her to this moment uh, in which we see this uh, you know Christmas uh, Christmas star looking ship become the center, the core of planet Earth, uh, which is thought you know. What a, what a brilliant uh, way of sort of incorporating uh, all this alien lore into the story. You know, once again, Russell Davies uh, kind of justifying uh, actions and things by making them extraordinary. Um, and, and the idea that, you know, sh uh, she used the resources that Torchwood would provide to afford her the opportunity to free her children uh, from the core of the earth. Right. Definitely a, a, a different, uh, kind of, uh, Torchwood than, uh, uh, more like the Torchwood we're seeing on Dr. Who than necessarily the Torchwood you're seeing on Torchwood. Which I, I have yet to start watching. I, I decided that I'm going to watch them at the same time as I watch the series three. There so, you go. That's a good way to do it. As long as you finish, yeah. you need to finish 
We'll talk later. <laughs> well, well, I'll uh, thank you for allow helping me yeah. sync things up so I don't yeah, uh, get spoiled. Right. There's a, there's definitely a part where you definitely have to finish Torchwood before the end of series three. And there you go. At least series <laughs> one of Torchwood. Okay. Um, but so we, we get to that moment where, you know, the doctor now knows what's going on. He is doing his thing and clearly, you know, he's going to save the day. Um, but there again is that moment where we see the slightly darker side that David Tennant brings to the doctor and you see him kind of enjoying the 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 idea that you know he gave her an out she didn't take it and so he is reveling in the pain that he is causing her uh, oh yes in, in destroying her children as he basically drowns them um but not only that he was watches. just there was there was no it was just going to keep on being a problem for him as well because he wasn't moving he was too busy being in the moment that it didn't matter what happened to him and Mm -hmm. it wasn't until uh, donna had snapped him out of it that he finally is like okay let's go but you know because yes he had lost rose is there really a reason to continue the the there was definitely i i got that feeling uh, when when that was happening, and then of course, you know, he saves the earth, and they have that funny moment where uh, the bride's like, "Oh yeah, we drain we drain the Thames," <laughs> and they yes. show the dry the dry bed of uh, of the river, right? And then the and then the faint uh, toot of a of a ship that's clearly been uh, dry docked <laughs> against its right, well, stranded <laughs> in the middle of of the dry bed of the riverbed. Um, but, you know, I think the the moment that was most impactful, and I've been trying to tap dance around this and not talk about a whole episode, but the we get to the end where, you know, the adventure is over. He has clearly saved the day. He has saved the, the bride. He has drained her uh, or, you know, through his actions, uh, she's drained of the particles, the Huon, Huon, right. Huon. particles. Huon. Q1, Q1, sorry. And um, then they have this whole conversation and he very nonchalantly, very much like the the, the proposal uh, he plays for Rose. Uh, he- well, you could always... Come with me. No. Okay. I can't. No, that's fine. Well, I think at that point, anybody would have turned him down. It's, you know, with that much upheaval in your life uh, to then disappear, that's a, that's a major uh, uh, thing. Rose had the ability to have Mickey say, uh, you know, she's gone off, you know, on a little bit of a, you know, just to completely disappear. Uh, from the whole thing with the brides and the last thing that the family knew was that the uh, reception was being blown up. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, I think it was a very smart move on her part. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it felt like this, this was clearly like he is obviously at this point 
trying to replace Rose and she isn't Rose because yes. I, I think I, it, had the, the shoes been reversed and had this been Rose Tyler that this happened to and she disappeared in the middle of her wedding and whatnot, I think Rose would have absolutely gone with the doctor. I think, you know, Rose was clearly driven to and, and drawn to the kind of lifestyle that comes with the doctor, the flying through space, the seeing the future and the past, facing off against unbelievable odds. It was all something that Rose very much cherished. And here he's confronted with the fact that, you know, not all human beings are the same. And this woman whom, you know, th th there's obviously a connection. I wouldn't say an attraction, but there's obviously a connection. She she definitely, I think, kind of looked on him a little bit, especially after her husband turned out to be a jerk. But, you know, she just, she she said, you know, she's like, no, I, 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 I want to do things uh, and I want to experience things. But this lifestyle is not for me. And specifically, she calls out, you know, how ready he was to just be the center of destruction and not even think about it. Uh, but she even recognizes it. And she says it. you need to find somebody. You need to find somebody that can pull you out like I did. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's, you know, clearly an important part of the doctor. The doctor will always have a companion and then I'm going to dot, dot, dot. Um, mm -hmm. Because there are times and I've, and I brought that up before. There are times when the doctor does not have a companion and then other people play that part. People he meet along the way play the part of the, I have to, you know, someone to explain to. So we're not talking directly to the camera. Well, and from from a story point, I completely understand needing to um, have someone to explain uh, the things to so that the exposition can be a little easier um, to delve out. But especially after this episode, it is clear that, uh, at least to me, uh, what I'm perceiving from this character is that you know, he has so much history, he has so much baggage that being alone is, uh, is almost a detriment to him. It's, it's definitely something that does not suit him well. He needs, uh, for all intents and purposes, he needs the distraction of so having somebody else to take care of because there's just so much grief and loss in his own life having watched his own people be wiped out having watched his own planet be uh destroyed he it's almost like he's completely disconnected from the universe and from what matters unless he has that someone to take care of, you know, and in Rose, uh, it was abundantly clear. He was there to show her all of these things and to show off and to do all of these things. But, you know, the promise really mattered to him, uh, that he made to, 
uh, Jackie, which was to always bring Rose back, to always keep Rose safe. Right. So, And even when he couldn't completely do it, he still managed to find a way to keep Rose and Jackie together. Right, right. And, and that was, you know, it, I don't know. It, to me, this episode just made uh, Rose's absence feel even more pressing. Uh, and the, the fact that the bride points it out, you need to find somebody. It is it is of the utmost importance than you find somebody because it, it's clear that him traveling through the universe by himself is not going to end well, uh, especially in the emotional state that he seems to be uh, when, you know, he cracks when he asks her what, you know, what his friend's name was. He cracks his voice completely cracks. He is emotional, uh, which yes. kind of broke me a little bit you know because the doctor has not shown emotion in this way and you know we saw a little bit of it at the end of doomsday with him literally sh shedding a tear and here we saw it again with him you know getting that lump in his throat oh, what is it now that friend of yours what was her name her name was rose Oh, absolutely. And even though he was able to, uh, you know, he wanted to give uh, Donna the encouragement um, to uh, be want to go along and made it snow, uh, which again, another Christmas episode where there's snow, even though it's not mm -hmm. true snow. But at least this isn't the ash of the dead. Uh, right. This isn't the ash of the dead of a, a spaceship. The, the spaceship. dead spaceship, <laughs> right. It's a little, a little different. It's actual snow. It's a, you know, uh, I did pick up on a couple of things. The, the, uh, they say something about uh, the, as the ship is entering the thing, uh, there's somebody that authorized the, uh, the attack on it. Yes, Mr. Saxon, who you were told to pay attention to that name in um what was it eh, gods and monsters it was uh love and monsters, love and monsters uh with the uh absorbatron absorbaloft mm -hmm. yeah absorbaloft the absorbaloft of the, the scooby-doo incredibly game. funny absorbaloft yes. yes he's uh he's becoming uh a bit of a I guess he's taking over the uh, the prime minister spot or some sort of political office. Well, he's definitely someone you gotta know about. Mm, okay. And uh, is it going to be the third season's link? Mm, there's a couple of them. Okay. All right. Um. That that's the only you know because. After uh, after watching the the first Christmas special and the the big giant destruction of the spaceship uh, as ordered through uh, the prime minister uh, and ex executed by Torchwood, uh, you know, anytime there is alien technology being destroyed uh, and somebody authorizing it, eh, I, I tend to try to pay attention now a little bit more because yeah. I figure that those are going to come back to play something. Yeah, and he's definitely someone who's up there because he's able to get all those tanks uh, in various places to be able to shoot the 
Christmas, the, the ship out of the sky. Right. So is there anything that I missed? Oh, there's a lot of things that were missed. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, I got a bunch of notes here. So yeah, the, um, uh, one of my notes obviously was the, uh, was Mr. Saxon. I also had another note about uh, the doctor talking about that, the fact that he's from Gallifrey, which is the very first time that Gallifrey has been mentioned uh, since the, the restart uh, of episodes with uh, Christopher Eccleston. So that's, that's important because now we've talked about the planet and how the planet is gone, but we never mentioned the name. And so that's bringing more information to the viewers, especially newer viewers, uh, that will be, uh, again, important later on. Um, so that's, that's a good thing that, that we had. One of the fun mm-hmm. things that I, uh, when um, Donna is talking about her boyfriend and everything that's going on with her boyfriend, and uh, doctors, uh, the doctor asks if Lance is a bit overweight with a zipper on his forehead. Uh, you know, not, you know, before they had gotten back to earth, obviously we're, we're referring to the Rexical, uh, Philippatorian, uh, race. Yeah. Yes. And I memorized that name. So I have to get it out <laughs> one more time at least. Um, uh, the, uh, the idea of the stolen bride as it was, that's how it's written in the, in my notes here, uh, was originally going to be a season two episode, uh, mm. not, not this Christmas episode. And it was going to be, and it was still going to be Donna Noble, and it was going to be obviously with Rose because obviously Rose didn't leave until the end of season two. Um, mm-hmm. And when 2005's Christmas Invasion was such a success, and they realized that they wanted to do more of these Christmas episodes, they rearranged everything and were able to put Tooth and Claw early in the season, which then pushed the Torchwood uh, with the Torchwood uh, narrative. So that was cool. Um, the uh, when the uh, the TARDIS chases Donna, uh, Russell Davies said he wanted to see this in Doctor Who ever since he was a kid, and because of that, that's why he had the two kids in the car, you know, cheering him on because that's like him. That uh. was that's him wanting to see this thing happen. Nice. So that was it. That's awesome. So because I love it when um, Ashley uh, is on the show, she uh, does these tidbits. I asked her to basically for this entire series. So for series three, uh, uh, she's going to join me at the end of the show uh, and she's just going to drop a few more bits of knowledge uh, that uh, I guess for right now we're going to call them Ashley's tidbits. So, Ashley, uh, what's what's one of the tidbits that you've got for us this week? So, Catherine Tate, who plays Donna Noble, wasn't able to attend the read-through for this episode before they started filming. So, Sophia Miles, who you might remember, who played Madame de Pompadour in The Girl in the Fireplace in Season 2, she was David Tennant's girlfriend at the time. And so she is the one who read the part of Donna Noble for the read-through. That is so cool. I'm glad to see that uh, she got a little bit more play in the Doctor Who universe. Uh, Even though we didn't actually get to see her as Donna, I'm glad to see that she was uh, still getting to play around in the sandbox a little bit. All right. what's, uh, What's another tidbit that you have for us? 
The opening scene of this episode is identical to the previous Christmas episode, The Christmas Invasion, with it starting in space and zooming down into Earth. And speaking of The Christmas Invasion, um, when the money goes flying, the production had made their own money, obviously. And while some of them had the producer's faces on them, the 10-pound note featured the doctor's face. And it had phrases like, I promise to pay the bear on demand the sum of 10 satsumas and no second chances. I'm that sort of a man. Both of which were said in the Christmas Invasion. I thought I'd recognize that map and I was trying to figure out if it was because uh, I had seen a preview of the show or not. So I'm, I'm glad it wasn't me going crazy, but that is something that they've reused from a previous episode. And talk about like a collectible. I, I want that, you know, 10 pound note with the doctor's face on it. Uh, that would be great as a, as a collectible for Doctor Who. I, I want that on my wall. All right, what's the next tidbit? When uh, Donna found Rose's top laying in the TARDIS, originally the doctor angrily grabbed it and threw it out the door of the TARDIS and into space, but they cut the scene because they thought it was too melodramatic. I kind of understand a little bit of that, but I'm glad that they were trying to still uh, pay homage to our dear departed Rose, because um, those moments definitely hit home with me. So I'm glad to hear that they were uh, going uh, in an even more extreme uh, way to show how much she meant to him. All right, next tidbit. And speaking of our beloved Rose, um, the double-decker bus that is next to one of the military tanks had a sign for Hendrix on it which is where she was working in her very first episode. That's cool. I didn't notice that. I'll have to pay attention to it the next time I watch it. Uh, Next tidbit. Originally, the climax of this episode was supposed to take place in Stonehenge, but Russell T. Davies couldn't come up with a good enough idea of why they actually had to be in Stonehenge, so the idea was scrapped. Now, that's a wild one, because... Yeah, I, I, why would they be there? I mean, I guess the whole idea that this thing was at the center of the earth this entire time, uh, I guess that would make some little bit of sense, you know, because Stone Edge being so ancient. But uh, I'm kind of glad that they did it sort of as, you know, in the sub-basement of a secret Torchwood locale so thank you so much ashley and uh if you enjoyed this leave us a comment uh because i do i want to make this uh, a weekly thing now so ashley will be joining us next week to uh discuss the tidbits for that episode and now welcome back john and uh do you have any parting thoughts the last thing that i did just that even though this was a one-off and obviously donna is not joining the doctor uh as his companion she still got second uh credit billing in the uh beginning of the episode well if she is as big a name uh, as that, of course well, she yeah, should. But it was, but, but uh, especially she's not now regular. that uh, Billy isn't there. Exactly, but <laughs> it was, you know, it's, you know, it wasn't just you know David Tennant 
and then and then the logo and I'm, the logo shifted a little bit it was a little it looked a little different you know the first season it did yeah i noticed that a little bit um but i it, it had to have been a little disappointing for fans of uh of her to see the show see her name in the credits and then get to the end and see how she's like nope i don't want to go with you i don't want to. <laughs> Uh, you know, that, that, that must've been a little disappointing if you were watching it, like, Oh my God, is she joining the show? Yeah. Is she going to be part of the, Oh no, she's just, well, that was again, the when they show. filmed it, they had, they hadn't uh, decided that they were not going to go through a fourth season of her show. So that was still up in the air, uh, our fourth mm. series of, of the Catherine Tate show. So, you know, when they saw her, I think everyone realized that that she wasn't going to be doing the Catherine Tate show. anymore. like, that's why she left the show. She's going to be part of right, Dr. Exactly. Who. And then no, not so much. <laughs> yeah. But, but you will not, you will see Donna again. I hope so. I she was, she was definitely a fun character. I, I enjoyed uh, her antics and I definitely enjoyed how she dealt and specifically talked to the doctor. Oh, absolutely. As a matter um, of fact, it was, so, it was very refreshing. Yes. It was one of the things that, when I first watched this, when I first watched her in this, I hated her. I did not like her at all. She was abrasive. Mm. She was it just, it was not a, she was not a character that I could enjoy. And I don't know if I got a little older or I just was able to know a little more about what I'm, what I'm going to see later on. Uh, I sort of went back to watch the episodes and preparing for today. And I really, from the moment she's on there, she's like, you know, it's like a, you know, a big ball of sun. You, you have to, you, you have to look at it. Mm -hmm. There's something there you have to see. Yeah. I, I liked it because she is, she, she is not Rose. And I think that's what I like the most about it is that she is not like the the character that we had become so accustomed to being with the doctor and adventuring with the doctor uh and so it it was i i i thought you know like i'm sure most of britain did that you know this was clearly going to be his next companion you know even even if only for a few other episodes um and so I, that's what I saw her as almost immediately as the adventure began. Uh, and I kind of like that she was definitely her own. She was not a clone uh, of Rose. She was not a, um, a attempt at sort of uh, evoking some of Rose's better qualities. She was uniquely her own person. She had her own way of dealing with things. She had her own attitude. Um, and I kind of liked how uh, sh- she wasn't so much phased by the fact that she was in a spaceship uh, as much as she was disturbed by the fact that she was missing her own wedding and that that was her, yes. you know, white rabbit moment is anything else that happened. I, I don't care how crazy it is. She's like, that's great. Get me back to my wedding. Get me back to my wedding. Get me back to my wedding. Uh, right. So I, I, I definitely enjoyed this episode uh, quite a bit. Uh, and uh, it provided quite a few laughs uh, and definitely quite a few heartfelt moments. I, I was, I'm not joking when I say that, that last moment uh, where he leaves her, uh, you know, what she said to him uh, really, really hit home for me. Uh, it really, 
uh, made me feel bad for the doctor. So I, I appreciated the the roller coaster of emotions that this episode put me through. That's good, and uh, and just so you know, the whole idea of Rose being missing uh, doesn't end here. It will still affect the doctor moving forward. I, it definitely looked like, uh, you know, Rose, Rose maybe not in the ship with him, but she's definitely with the doctor in his head. She, yes. she definitely has uh, a place there uh, and, and definitely his heart, at least one of them. Uh, yeah, maybe both. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much, John, for uh, once again uh, helping me make sense of a uh, super supersized, I guess, is a good way to say uh, episode of Doctor Who uh, that aired on, on Christmas. Uh, which which year did this air on? Two thousand. It was actually two Christmas Christmas two thousand and six. Christmas 2006. Yes. Uh, excellent. So thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of another First Time Lord. Uh, we greatly appreciate that you are listening. Uh, and I'd be even more thankful if you visit firsttimelord.com and uh, you leave a comment on your favorite episode. Uh, what did you think of this episode? Um, you know, did, did your heart get pinged? like mine did when the bride kind of spoke truth to the doctor. Uh, Leave us a comment. Uh, Also, you can support the show by shopping on our merch shop, or you can support the show by clicking on the Patreon link, which will take you to Patreon. Uh, Or you can search for me, Daniel Levain, on Patreon uh, and become a subscriber that way. Uh, But all support is greatly appreciated. And... I guess I have no other time, but uh, I got to start Series 3. Let me jump on my TARDIS and uh, get into action. Her name was Rose. 